ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930 present The Drive. It is Thursday, May 18th. Your drive begins now on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. We're here until 6 o'clock. Text line is open 304-396-TALK. That's 304-396-8255. I start the show today with a heavy heart. Jim Birmingham, one of the all-time greats Huntington Blizzard hockey history and someone who adopted Huntington as his home for so many years passed away. He was born on November 12, 1971 in Montreal, Quebec. He was drafted by the Detroit Red Wings in the ninth round. He was number 186 overall in the 1991 NHL entry draft. He had a, by almost all metrics, a successful playing career in the ECHL. He appeared in 500 games for Toledo, Wheeling, Huntington, Jackson, and Pensacola. Some of the highlights of his career include being ranked 10th in ECHL history with 588 points, 11th with 362 assists, and tied for 15th with 226 goals. He scored at least 29 goals in five of his nine ECHL seasons. He was selected to play in three ECHL All-Star games, 1996, 1998, and 1999, which is tied for the fifth most in league history. After retiring as a player, he transitioned to the coaching. He became the second coach in the history of the Knoxville Ice Bears franchise. He was there for four seasons. The Ice Bears had a, honestly, it's very commendable, 129 wins, 85 losses, and 10 ties. Some of the things that Jim Birmingham accomplished when he was the coach of the Ice Bears include winning the regular season title in 2005 and sweeping both the regular season and President's Cup championships in 2006. By all metrics, if you knew Jim Birmingham, you knew that he was a guy that loved Huntington and was a big deal in the ECHL. I wish his career would have taken him further along in the NHL. I wish his career would have taken him down a different path. Maybe coaching would have worked out for him at higher levels. Maybe some different things would have happened for him. Maybe we'd still have hockey in Huntington. There are so many things we could talk about, about Jim Birmingham, but I want to talk about him here today because he's gone and I want to celebrate his life. I don't want to celebrate. I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't want to dwell too much on why Jim Birmingham is no longer with us. Instead, I want to, I want to celebrate his life. I want to talk about the man. And the text line's open, 304-396-TALK, 
888-957-8255. Once upon a time when Huntington had hockey, I felt that one of the biggest mistakes was not making Jim Birmingham more of a face. Because this guy, you could have put him out there a lot more, made him the face of the franchise. I think you would have attracted a lot of people just based on Jim Birmingham alone. Involved in the community, always out and about. Never met someone that wasn't a friend. And we grow attached to players, and that's going to be difficult now in this day and age in college, at least at the college ranks, because you have name, image, and likeness. You have players that will come and go, and you get attached to them, and then they leave. You watch players for a couple of seasons, and then they leave. And those things will happen in minor league sports as well. And those things are going to happen in minor league sports. But Jim Birmingham was a guy who – wanted to bring hockey back to Huntington. He was a guy who loved calling Huntington his home. And he came back. So when he got into the Hall of Fame, 2019 ECHL Hall of Fame, he came back to Huntington. So I had a chance to talk to him, and we all got together. We were at the Union Pub and Grill. This was in 2019. Now, I remember that day vividly because, one, we had a – a terrible time connecting. We were doing a remote broadcast, so we had a terrible time connecting. And so I'm scrambling. I'm trying to get this broadcast going. It wasn't my best day. But Jim was here, and we did part of the show on the phone, and then we got everything connected, and we started to try to do this show. And It really wasn't scripted. There wasn't anything planned. It was just, hey, Jim's here. Let's talk to Jim Birmingham. We had people come down to the Union Pub and Grill. Dave Walsh, who covered the blizzard for many years, he was there, so we have Dave Walsh there covering the blizzard for years. He transitioned into being on the radio with us for a few years. He's enjoying retirement now, partial retirement, but he was there. He knows a lot about the history of hockey in Huntington. There were a lot of people there who came just to see Jim Birmingham. They heard, hey, Jim's in town. Let's go see Jim Birmingham. And – he wanted to bring hockey back. He was serious. So we had that conversation. Why should we have hockey come back? What do we need to do to bring hockey back? Because when you talk to Jim Birmingham, that's a topic that always came up. Hey, Jim, when's hockey coming back? And that's some of the things we talked about. I pulled this from our interview in 2019. You know, us just talking a little bit about bringing hockey back. When's it coming back to Huntington? And what's it going to take? And what needs to happen to make it successful? You know, I, I would love it to come back tomorrow. And, and do I think hockey's coming back to Huntington? I, I would say the percentage-wise it's less than, to put a number on it, less than 30%. But do I think hockey could work in Huntington? Absolutely. We just need the – obviously you need the right ownership group. That would be the number one thing. You need the city to work with you. You need the arena to work with you. You need a practice facility, which I know is an issue now because there's no more practice facility here in Huntington. And then you need a good product on the ice. And that was – you know, we've been talking about it for the last couple of days. We never had the depth that, say, the other teams in, in our league had, like the Toledos, like the Wheelings, uh, even – you know, even Johnstown at times, they were affiliated with Pittsburgh. They, they had some good players at, 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 at times, and we maybe had five or six really solid hockey players, and then we kind of dropped off. 
So affiliation does matter. Affiliation can help you, but it also can hurt you because then you're going up and down all the time. And, and that happened to me prior to I was 25, 26. I, I started turning down call-ups, but I left, uh, I think, two years in a row for half the season, which, which hurt us a little bit. But, you know, we still had guys like Andre Bashkirov, who ended up playing in the NHL with Montreal Canadiens uh, for a little while. And he, he was probably one of the best all-around hockey players that ever played in Huntington, West Virginia, by far. So if it's ever to come back, what's the first step to make this a reality? Because it's easy to say, hey, let's bring hockey back, but you got to get that first step going. Well, it's, it's a little bit more complicated than one step. I think it's from what I've learned from leaving as a player and, and then becoming a coach and, and kind of on the management side, you, you need three things. Number one, um, you need a good ownership group. Um, number two, you need a good product on the ice. And number three, you need a city that cooperates with you. And that's what I learned in Knoxville is um, the year I got there, they left the United Hockey League and they were drawing 1,200 fans a game. The year I left, we were doing 4,600 a night in Knoxville, Tennessee, which they have University of Tennessee football there, which is runs the show, but we were able to get good dates. Um, and we didn't lose. I think we lost four games at home the year we won the championship, and it was just uh, we put an entertaining, fun, offensive-style, tough team on the ice, and I, I think that's what Huntington needs is if, if hockey ever did come back, living in, in a dream world, is you, we need a fast, offensive-minded, blue-collar, tough hockey team. That's Jim Birmingham. We spoke 2019 when he came back to Huntington. Because he missed Huntington. He wanted to come back to Huntington. He called Huntington his home. And he feels like he's from Huntington. And he explained that. Why does he feel like he's from Huntington? Why does he tell people that you know, he's from Huntington? Like I, like I said, and I keep saying it, and every, all my friends here in Huntington, I tell them all the time, I consider Huntington my hometown. And, and even though I haven't been here since I think it was 2008, coming back here, it's, it's like I never left. I think the city of uh, Huntington, the Chamber of Commerce, and a few other marketing departments would, would like to get a hold of you in the next few days. And you know what's funny is, as I talk about it all the time with people at work back in Canada, I tell them how great the state of West Virginia is, and I try to explain to them, and, and I even know what happens down here, and I say, yeah, I'm going back to West Virginia. Oh, I've been to Virginia Beach. And then I, I have to explain to them, West Virginia is not in the same state as Virginia Beach, but I, I like explaining that to them, and I like showing them pictures of how beautiful this state is and but but beyond that it's it's the people I've met and the relationships I've created during my time in Huntington is why I love Huntington and why I was so loyal to this team was because of the people I met and because of the players we brought here there was there was a lot of players that felt the same way about this place as I did Jim Birmingham his thoughts on why I love coming back to Huntington why he called Huntington his home I'm not gonna lie to you for the duration of Huntington Blizzard Hockey in Huntington, that was my home. That team was my home. It's a big foundation of my life, big part of my life that is no longer there, and I do miss it. I miss it a lot. I miss it every day. I miss these guys. I miss these players that I get to work with, interact with. I miss everything about it. And you could hear from Jim that he loved being in Huntington. He loved being a part of this state, being a part of this community. And as I mentioned, this was a big-time, I think, hockey player. This, this guy 
had that big-time feel to him. And, of course, it's very hard to get into the NHL, and it's very hard to stay in the NHL. But Huntington was fortunate to have, I felt, a big-time player in Jim Birmingham here. And he talked about some of the opportunities he had. He had opportunities after the Huntington Blizzard, no longer. He had opportunities. And I'll let him explain this. this is, again, this is my interview back in 2019. He explained, you know, what opportunities were out there for him. If you, if you ever wonder what happened to Jim Birmingham after the Huntington Blizzard, uh, he talked about where he went. And part of that, of course, was coaching as well. You know, hindsight's twenty twenty, but when when the team left Huntington and I had opportunities to go to other cities, and I probably had seven or eight legitimate offers, um, contracts on the table from other ECHL teams, and I chose to go to the South Division. The difference between the North and the South Division was night and day. One one thing, like while she said, I was successful in the North Division. A lot of small arenas here in Huntington, Toledo, Johnstown small ice surfaces and I could get from the corner to the front of the net without having to move too much and I, I wasn't the uh, that swift of foot at the time but I, I was able to stand in front of the net and take a beating and and tip in pucks and put in rebounds and and then you know at times I was able to pass the puck to some pretty good hockey players with Kelly Harper and, and Van Burgess who uh, by the way speaking of Van I, I spent the a night at his house the other day in Lexington. He is the record holder for the most goals in one season by a Blizzard player. The only records, and I don't know why I know this, maybe it's an ego thing, but the only two players that hold the records besides me in the history of the Huntington Blizzard, Kelly Harper has played more games than me as a member of the Huntington Blizzard, and Van Burgess holds the record for most goals in one season by a former Blizzard player. Jim Birmingham passing away today. Very sad for uh, a whole community of us who followed Huntington Blizzard hockey. For a lot of us, it was a part of our life that you know, we might never get back. And it just shows you how important sport can be for a lot of us, no matter what the sport, no matter where it's at. Sport is very important to a lot of us and the people we meet on the way. And Jim Birmingham, you know, I uh, – I'm going to miss the guy. Uh, it was great to catch up with him in 2019. And um, I'll say this. I hope he finds the peace. I hope he finds peace. And he's found he's found it. I hope he does find that peace in the next life. 304-396-TALK, 304-396-8255. That's our text line. More coming up on this edition of The Drive, ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. This is The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Our text line is open, 304-396-TALK. That's 304-396-8255. In a few minutes, we're going to be speaking with Caleb Bowen. He is Marshall's cross-country coach. There are a lot of things to catch up on. A lot of surprises and successes with Marshall's outdoor track and field athletes. Caleb will get us caught up on everything. So we'll find out also who's going to prelims. That's coming up here in the next few minutes. Till then, we'll get your text in 304-396-TALK, 304-396-8255. We've got softball news to tell you about. Alex Coleman, Sidney Nestor, Autumn Owens, and Grace 
Chelman received recognition in the National Fast Pitch Coaches Association all-region teams for the Central Region. Coleman became the 25th player in program history to be named to the NFCA Central All-Region First Team. Nestor and Owen were honored with second-team honors, and uh, Chelman earned third-team All-Region recognition. So Coleman led the conference with 79 hits and 1.11 runs per game. Both rank in the top 10 nationally. She stole 42 bases. That's sixth place in the NCAA rankings. Her batting average of 427 placed her second in conference. She had 22 multi-hit games and 11 with multiple stolen bases. So a standout season for her. Sydney Nestor also a standout season. Second pitcher in program history to achieve multiple seasons with 25-plus wins. She won 26, struck out 234 batters, and her ERA was an impressive 1.07. She earned the pitching triple crown title in the Sunbelt Conference, and she allowed only three earned runs in 21 innings and earning all-tournament team honors in the Sunbelt Conference Softball Championship. She had an outstanding season. And then you have to talk about Autumn Owen. She dominated the conference in multiple categories. She led the way in home runs with 19, runs batted in 71. Her batting average was 444. She earned the batting triple crown distinction in the league. She had a 22 multi-hit game resume this season. I mean, that's consistency right there. 22 multi-hit games. And... She also had multiple RBI games. She set a program record. She slugged five home runs in a single weekend at the Liberty Classic. Not bad at all. And then let's not forget about Grace Chelman, fifth-year senior. She had career best this season and batting average at 377, hits at 60, runs batted in at 55. And she had some clutch performances, including a go-ahead RBI ground rule double that was crucial in the Sunbelt Conference semifinal. She earned a spot on the all-tournament team. And she was named manager just recently of the Music City Collegiate League Smoky Mountain Rain. So Outstanding performances all season long from all of these amazing athletes. And so congratulations go out to them. We hopefully will in the next week or so have for a recap and a look ahead to next season, Megan Smith-Lyon. That's what we're planning on here in the next couple of weeks. But when we continue, we want to bring to the program Caleb Bowen, Marshall's cross-country coach. Yesterday we had a really interesting conversation with Macy Majoy. And we're going to follow that up with Caleb here when we continue with this edition of The Drive, ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. This is The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Welcome back to the Thursday, May 18th edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. We'll open our text line back up for you in a few minutes at 304-396-TALK. 
That's 304-396-8255. First up, one welcome back to the program after a successful go and the first ever men's season and the Sun Belt, and of course uh, with the women. First ever as well for them, but I think uh, the men's season a little bit more special since uh, we've got men's track and field back again. Caleb Bowen's with us, uh, head coach of the cross-country squad, and of course you got a lot to talk about today. I mean, we timed this perfectly, even though we didn't plan it around conference honors and prelim information. This was just the best day for us, but you've got so much to get into you want to start with the, the NCAA prelims? Because I know we're all excited about who's getting to go, and I'm sure you're excited as well. Oh, yeah, definitely. We're pleasantly surprised at how many uh, athletes we have going to the East prelims this year. So, yeah, whatever you, whatever you want to talk about, we, we'll get into it. Let's go with prelims first. So, I know Macy Majoy's going. She's um, she's all right. She does an okay job for, for the team. She's not terrible. <laughs> so, who else yeah. got invited? Yeah, so I don't know if you know how it all works, but uh, to get invited to the uh, NCAA first round, that's what we call it, uh, you have to be in the top 48 in your event. And that means that there's two halves of the country. You have the east and you have the west. And you have to be in the top 48 on the east side of the of the uh, Mississippi River. So really hard to get into because there's a ton of schools that have some really great programs. And uh, so we have Mason Joy, obviously, in the full vault. She's done a heck of a job this year grew up to be like an amazing leader on the team, uh, not only just for the vaulters, but for everybody. Then we have uh, Micah Aline, who, you know, she was a conference USA 400-meter champion last year. She qualified for first rounds last year as well in the 400 hurdles, and she just blew our school record out of the water and won the Sun Belt Championship in the 400 hurdles. So that was exciting, and she made it in. Um, Tyra Thomas in the 100-meter hurdles has uh, qualified. You know, she's had a heck of a year as well, a school record in the 60-meter hurdles. And she was running super well at conference and ended up hitting the last hurdle, uh, unfortunately. But uh, And then one that's really special to me is the last – or second-to-last athlete I have going is Brett Armbruster. You know, we haven't had men's track in, like, 20 years, and we bring it back, and then Brett just turned into an animal and uh, qualified for the first-round nationals in the 800. And then lastly, we have the uh, our thrower, discus thrower, Rebecca Merritt. Um, she qualifies with her throw at conference, which got forced in the Sun Belt. So exciting to have five athletes going. What does this mean for the program to know that it's starting to pay off? It feels like more and more you know, we're talking about more going. And yeah, you mentioned you know, with men's track and field back, and already you see some success how does that help you ultimately for the next season and the next season? Well, it's, I mean, it's huge. So, like, I, it, it's really hard to make it in any event. And since I've been here coaching, I've had a couple athletes come really close uh, in the distance event. Uh, Holly Ann Swan, back when she was a, a fifth year, she was like the first one or two out in the 10K. And, you know, I haven't had any since. So I've told Coach Small, our head coach, that I was not going to go to the first round until I earned my my trip. You know, if I have an athlete go, then I'll go. And I think you know Brett making it in is going to help with the you know both the men and women's distance program because now they see that it's definitely possible. Um, you know, Brett's an amazing athlete, but he's no more amazing than Abby Herring or Kylie Mastin or Hannah Weiler 
or Ronnie Saunders. I mean, we have a lot of studs on this distance squad. So hopefully they see him qualifying and it gives them some more uh, confidence that they can do it as well. It's got to help as well with growing the program. I don't want to say it felt like you had to put it together real quick and from scratch, but you sort of had to, and you had a lot of football players, a lot of different athletes expressing interest in that as well. Have you seen that grow? Maybe things that we're not hearing about, student athletes from other programs wanting to be a part of your program. So, yeah, not as much from other programs within the athletic department, but definitely in terms of just getting high school athletes and college transfers. I mean, we're going to have about 50, over 50 guys on the team next year. And a lot of that has been due to us hiring, being able to hire a new assistant coach, uh, Andrea Deem. She's been our recruiting coordinator this whole spring, and she has worked her ass off. Uh, she's bringing in so many sprinters, jumpers, literally everybody. Um, and I was also able to bring in about like eight or so guys. In. So the men's team, we're going to have a lot of guys, which is going to create a lot more competition. And hopefully it ends up being where we have a lot of good guys competing at the Sun Belt Championships next year. My guest from Marshall Track and Field, Caleb Bowen, cross-country coach. So a lot of success there. And you also have a lot of conference success. How would you evaluate how the first season went in the Sun Belt, focusing on the uh, recent outdoor championships? Uh, you know, I think we, we competed super well at the outdoor championships. Uh, we knew it was going to be better than indoor just because of our team dynamic and who we have. Um, it was just it was a dogfight the entire weekend because we were you know first place going out of the first day. Then we sank to like third, and then a lot of teams came like came back on us in that last day. And we have a we had a few things not go our way, which always happens. So I will say a couple things. Uh, mainly, the conference got a whole lot better from last year to this year, partly due to schools like us and Southern Miss and James Madison coming in, um, but also the schools that were already here just got a ton better as well. So. I mean, you got to expect that whenever you go into a new conference that everybody's just going to up their game. But we're really excited about the future because we had some key you know, athletes who are going to graduate, but we also have some key athletes who are going to be here next year to help us hopefully climb the ladder and get a whole lot better. Um, you know, just just talking on, like, the distance side, I mean, we didn't know we were going to have a team like, like this time last year. So guys like Evan White, guys like Ronnie Saunders, Brett, they were given an opportunity to kind of show what they could really do. And this was just a, a small taste of what they can do. You know, Ronnie's fired up. He got second in the steeplechase, which is an event he's never done before uh, until this year. Uh, he, he's done it three times now. And he's shown that he can compete with the best of them. I mean, if he ran 10 seconds faster, he not only wins the race, but he also qualifies for, for nationals. So, Guys like him, guys like Evan White, who's five seconds away from our 5K school record, uh, Brett Armbruster doing what he did. I mean, there's a lot of like excitement going into next year. Uh, same for the women's side as well. With all of this excitement, you've got you know, the indoor facility. That's that's a massive help with this program. Where does this program need to go as far as resources and things just to stay competitive where you're at now and improve? Because 
some of these programs have maybe inherent advantages that you've got to overcome as far as location, what they've got indoor, outdoor wise, as far as facilities, resources. So, you know, where, where are you as a program and where are you going? I, you know, I think we're at a really good spot right now because where we do have that indoor facility, we're able to train year round without any hiccups. You know, a lot of the schools in like down south, uh, they only have an outdoor facility, which is great. Whenever the weather's nice, but they're also out there, you know, whenever it's raining or snowing and stuff. So we, we have an advantage in that regard. Um, where we can get better, obviously, if we had outdoor facilities, I mean, more than like the throws, it would help because it's just a totally different sport. You know, indoors versus outdoors. Same for like the four by one with the handoffs and all of that. I mean, it would make my job easier just having an outdoor facility because it's something to sell. But I mean, we're not going to complain because we love what we have. And, you know, part of the martial way is to learn how to compete, uh, you know, be, being the underdog, essentially. Um, so really what we need to do to get better is just, uh, you know, work our butts off to get as many good kids as possible. Um, you know, kids that can work really hard and compete at the national level or international level even. So I would say recruiting has got to be number one. And then finding kids who are going to buy into the martial culture the hey we're here to you know get better and to kind of buy into the community of Huntington I think that's going to be the key as well so I can't pry out of you any plans maybe for an outdoor facility eventually I can't uh, I can't pull that out of you today well it, it, so I mean it's not to me at least uh, but it's definitely on the things that uh, our administrators have talked about and they want to get done I mean we've you know Spears Beatrice Brown uh, Sutherland, those are guys that are working their butts off to, to give us what we need. So I can't give you like a date or anything, but they have definitely talked about it. Um, so we'll see. We're, we're excited for the future. Taylor Bones with us, uh, cross country coach, and of course, Marshall Track and Field having a outstanding showing in the outdoor track and field championships. Also, you had several members of the teams making all conference, and we had her on yesterday, Macy Majoy. I just she is, she's the goat right now. She won not only the first ever Sun Belt Conference Championship for Marshall, then she won the second, and she's just an amazing story. I know uh, you've had probably uh, an enjoyable journey with her, following her career, and you hate to see her go, but she's such a bright spot for this squad. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I remember when she came in as a freshman. You know, probably one. I mean. We were never a pole vault school before she came in. We had gotten our first pole vaulter in years, uh, the year before her, uh, Lauren Zaglifa, who ended up you know, being a really good athlete, and she made nationals her senior year as well. But you know, with Lauren and Macy, we kind of became a pole vault school. You know, we were always contending for points, big points, podium points at the conference championships, indoors and out in Conference USA, and then now obviously with Sunbelt. So, yeah, it's, I mean, I hate to see her go, but she has given so much to this program that, you know, she can uh, she can definitely ride it out as a career well spent. Plus, she's got two championships, indoor and outdoor. I mean, it's it's hard enough to get one, but she got them both. So that's, that's the way I want to end my career, and her career's not done yet. She's still got the prelims. Yeah, yeah, she's got the prelims. And, you know, don't want to – you know, wish you know, high goals on or anything, but like pole vault, anything can happen. You know, the best pole vaulter in America could foul out, you know, first first couple of tries. So, 
you know, I can definitely see her making the second round in Austin, Texas. Uh, you know, she's got to come out clean. She's got to maybe jump a PR, but that's that's what we're training her to do. So we're really excited to see what she can do at, at uh, Jacksonville. Of course, also making the the conference list was uh, hopefully the future of pole vault at Marshall University, and it's uh, Diana Goodman. And she had a um, she had a really good showing as well. She earned third team all Sun Belt recognition with a bronze finish. So Marshall's a pole vault school now. It's not a soccer school anymore, or a football school, <laughs> not a basketball. It's a pole vault school. Yep, yep, yeah. And Diana's been awesome too. So it's what we've tried to do in the pole vault is we try to get at least like two athletes per year that are going to compete with each other in practice, and then also compete at the, each meet and championships and whatnot. So like Warren was able to feed into Macy, Macy was able to feed into, into Diana, and hopefully we can find another athlete who can take up that that role as well for Diana. But yeah, Diana's been a gamer. Um, you know, she got second indoors in uh, in the pole vault, and then obviously got third in outdoor. Uh, she's a gamer, and sometimes things haven't gone her way, and she's overcome those obstacles to to get on the podium. So. She's, she's definitely a pleasant person and someone we're really looking forward to jumping higher and higher each year. Now, tomorrow on our show, we're going to have Micah Aline. She secured the honor of being a, a Sunbelt First Team All-Conference Award winner. Uh, she won the 400 Hurdles event. She, that's, I'll let you describe that performance because uh, it, it was a, a new school record and her time was 5777. Uh she hasn't gone that far over that time. That's pretty much what she's she's dialing up every time. Yeah, so it, that was a really special moment in the championships uh this year because you know she won the 400 meter dash last year for conference USA and that was an awesome experience. Um then, you know, she so she's coming in, you know, the hot stud coming in to a new conference, and we kind of expected that same result. And she she went through some adversity uh, indoors. You know, she didn't even make the final in the 400-meter dash, which, you know, for us, we were just, like, distraught because this is our star stud, and she, you know, doesn't make the final. Like, what's going on? And I think a lot of it was just internal pressure. So, you know, our sprint coach, Don, he was able to get her refocused and get her focused more on the 400-meter hurdles this year. And obviously, yeah, she she qualified for nationals really early on and kind of made it her goal just to win the, the championships. And she that was her, her main goal coming into this year. And obviously the nerves were still there, the pressure was still there, but she was able to execute each hurdle really well and ended up, you know, yeah, breaking a really good school record. because uh, Ashanti Warner was a very good athlete who qualified for nationals last year as well. So uh, she broke that really big record and got her first Sun Belt championship. So hopefully we have a couple more. Caleb Bones right. with us, Marshall Track and Field. And of course, Caleb handles cross-country duties. So you explained earlier what it takes to get to the prelims. So what's what's the process like getting ready for the prelims? You know, what's the agenda? What do these athletes really need to focus on and get ready to do before they hit the prelims? So it's essentially like the, the basketball tournament, you know, survive in advance, survive in advance. So each athlete's going to come into it a little bit differently based on their event. But the main goal is just to try to do everything possible to get into that next round. So in Jacksonville, we have two rounds. 
and then the finals in Austin, Texas has two rounds. And you're just trying to compete to the best of your ability to be in that top, whatever, two, three, four, whatever it is in that event um, to go to the next round. So like with Brett, you know, where I'm training him, we're working just on the little things, you know, trying to make sure that he doesn't tie up like he did at the conference championship on the backstretch, you know, working on uh, some, you know, mixing with the, the paces, you know, his goal 800 meter pace and his goal mile pace, trying to get him to be strong in those middle uh, middle parts of the race and then being able to finish strong. Um, Cause that's what it's going to take to qualify out. Um, I'm sure I, I can't really tell you what others are doing because they're so specific. But main thing is we're trying to keep everybody excited but not too nervous because we really want to get them to Austin. Um, and, you know, when you start putting a lot of pressure on, that's usually when mistakes happen. So just focusing on what you can control and then going from there. Caleb Bowen's with us, Marshall's cross-country coach, of course, track and field, having an outstanding season, first year in the Sun Belt Conference. So I've got, as I mentioned, I've got uh, Micah on with me tomorrow. Anything I should ask her that um, that she might not expect? Anything? Uh, <laughs> I'd give me something good. Uh, hmm. I, would, I would like to know her true feelings of what she felt right after she crossed the finish line in that 400-meter hurdle race. Because I saw her throw her hands up. I saw her, like, almost crying out there, but I really want to know, like, what kind of joy was that? Um, and, like, was it, like, a sigh of relief, or was there, like, hey, there's more left in the tank, I uh, feel. Okay, that's going to be a question. I'll ask her that. And then, of course, um, she's going to probably not tell me and then uh, hang up, right? <laughs> <laughs> probably. Good talking to you again, Caleb. I'm glad that uh, we got a chance to do this. I'm excited for everything that's happening with both the men's and women's program. And as I told yesterday when I spoke with Macy, you win stuff, you get to come back on. That's sort of like an automatic prize. So go win some stuff, and we'll get you back on. Sounds good, man. I, I look forward to winning stuff and getting back on. <laughs> Thanks, Caleb. That's Caleb Bowen. Our country is uh, highly represented here this year. Marshall, outstanding season so far with track and field. We will get your text in, and we'll do that when we continue at 304-396-TALK, 304-396-8255. This is The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. We're taking Paul Swan everywhere. Download or subscribe to The Drive with Paul Swan on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. It's the final segment of The Drive, Thursday, May 18th edition here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. Our text lines open always during the show, but if you listen after hours through your favorite podcast provider like Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, you can always find me on Twitter, and I encourage you to do so at Paul Swan. Let's get you caught up on what happened baseball-wise. The Pirates get the win over the Tigers yesterday, eight to nothing. Pirates are off tonight. Rockies beat the Reds eleven to six. The Reds are off today as well. And Gastonia gets the victory over Charleston four to two yesterday in the Atlantic League series. Wraps up tonight six thirty five in Gastonia. NBA Conference Finals East Final Game Number One. It was Miami beating Boston one twenty three to one sixteen. 
Tonight at 8.30, a game you can his- listen to right here on ESPN, 94.1 and AM 930. West final game number two, the Lakers taking on the Denver Nuggets. The Nuggets lead that series one game to nothing. 8 o'clock tonight as well. Game one of the Stanley Cup Eastern Conference Finals, Carolina playing host to Florida. Could you imagine Florida in the Stanley Cup Final and Miami and the NBA Final? Could you imagine that? It would be a big win for the state of Florida. Tomorrow on the program, we're going to continue speaking about track and field. It was a great week at the Sun Belt Conference Championships. And so, since they're still around and I get a chance to talk to them this this week, I'm going to speak with Micah Aileen. She won the 400-meter hurdle and set a new school record. She has been under one minute all season long. And so she's going to be representing Marshall at the upcoming NCAA East prelim. So she's going to be with us tomorrow. We'll talk to her. And, of course, we will follow along with everyone that is going to the the prelims. Uh, good showing for the Thundering Herd. You'd like to see, after the Sun Belt Championships, you'd like to see how far these athletes that make the prelims can go if they can get all the way and win a championship. And that's going to do it for this edition. Thanks for tuning in. I'll be back with you tomorrow here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. Pittsburgh Pirates Baseball, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930.